0: this is anchored in christ the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul brought to you from old south presbyterian church in newburyport massachusetts hi there everybody it's good to be with you today uh i'm greg keller i I hope all of you know me Uh, i know all of you um i've missed all of you that is certainly true and i i I hope that we get to see each other again soon Kara has asked me to share a sermon today and she was kind enough also to share a sermon written by a pastor and um, former president of the Calvin Theological Seminary, uh, Cornelius Platinga Jr. And so I'm excited to do so. I've modified it a little bit but I want to give him credit for the beginnings of it. I also appreciate the work of Debbie Owen and uh, stringing all of these pieces together to make a coherent service for us today. So it's good to be with you and um, I'd like to start us off with a prayer today, and then I will uh, work us through the sermon and work us through some of the interesting um, aspects of the the psalm that we've been talking about today. So let's, let's pray together. Dearest Lord, we are so thankful for this day. We're thankful for our time together. Lord, we pray that our time together is actually physically together soon. Lord, I pray that all that I say today indeed glorifies you. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Well... Let's get started today. So I am excited about this sermon and this, this topic and also about the, uh, the verses that we're going to be talking about today. We're, we're working through Psalm 91, uh, which is just a wonderful psalm that you heard read earlier, and we'll, we'll focus on a few key verses. Maybe you remember a few years ago, maybe not too long ago, um, the show Candid Camera. It was a bit irreverent, uh, kind of racy at the time, right? It's not by today's standards, but certainly then, uh, where Alan Funt, the host, would um, trick uh, trick people into doing things that they might not know they're doing. And of course, there's a, a hidden camera uh, that records him doing so. Eventually, they're embarrassed. He tells who he is. We all laugh together, and, and that was the show. But Alan Funt also did some interviews, And at one point he interviewed a a fairly uh, bulky truck driver, a semi-truck driver, who was about 50 years old or so. And Alan asked him what age he would like to be if he could choose any age at all. You can imagine there was a bit of silence as the truck driver thought it over. And what was he thinking? How would he answer that question, do you think? How would would you answer that question? I don't know, would he choose 65? Retirement day, 65 give up the semi-truck for a John Deere riding lawnmower and coaching his grandson's t-ball team, maybe. Maybe 18, just graduated high school, maybe a chance to go back and change something in your past that maybe you missed or that you could help restructure your life in some way if you're not terribly happy. Well, eventually he turned to Alan Funt and said that if it was up to him, he'd choose three years old. Three. Why three? Alan asked him. Well, said the trucker, if when you're three, you don't have any responsibilities. (laughs) Yeah, no responsibilities. Do you remember that feeling as a child, no responsibilities? Where everything is just right, everything is safe. Maybe Maybe as you slumber now, maybe on a Saturday morning, you're sort of just on the edge of waking up before the worries of the day descend upon you and start pressing down on your shoulders, before that inner voice starts to kick in and list your jobs for the day. If you remember that feeling, that childlike feeling of security in the nest, right? You are perfectly safe, protected, no responsibilities, it's that sense that someone else is in charge, someone who never goes off duty. Children have this feeling. Adults typically don't, and we miss it, don't we? We miss it. Now, at first, you have to wonder, was the truck driver being playful? I don't think so. I think he was being wistful and insightful. Because what he knew was, when you're a child, your burdens are usually small. You can go to bed without thinking about ice dams in the winter forming underneath your shingles. Maybe you don't worry about the tingling in your leg that might be a symptom of some nerve disease. If you don't wrestle with the late night questions about tax forms or payroll. No, you squirm deliciously in your bed, comforted by the murmur of adult conversations elsewhere in the house. And you hover right on the edge of slumber, and then you let go and fall away. Now, you dare to do this Sleeping comfortably, not only because you fully expect that, that tomorrow will bring another morning with waffles and cartoons and bike rides, you also dare to do it because you're sleeping under your parents' metaphorical wing. You can give yourself up to sleep because somebody else is in charge. And as far as the child knows, parents stay up late at night checking doors and windows and adjusting, adjusting the temperature controls, driving away marauders. Parents never go off duty in the child's mind. And if a shadow falls over the house, or demons begin to stir, or a storm rises, parents will handle it. Children sleep so soundly because their nest is sheltered, and they are protected against all uncertainty and danger. Well, children might be alarmed to discover how much we all crave this, right? The sense of security. We adults need to be sheltered, too. Some of us have been betrayed. Some of us are experiencing all the challenges associated with aging. Some are deeply disappointed that our lives have not quite turned out as we had hoped. Maybe others of us have been staggered by a report that's just come back from the pathology lab. Maybe we've been ignored by people we treasure. To all of us, the psalmist speaks a word of comfort. It's one of the great themes in the scriptures. God is our shelter. We read again Psalm 91, verse 4. God will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you'll find refuge. The pinions, the outer part of the wing. Now, to any self-respecting ornithologist, the image here is really clear. And maybe actually, if you have ba- backyard chickens, you've probably seen it as well, right? Maybe it's the image of a big adult eagle or a hen. Maybe a little warbler even. A bird senses danger and then protectively spreads its wings over its youngsters. Its wings spread like a shielding canopy, instinctively providing shelter against all intruders. Now the fledglings squeeze underneath, knowing that their parents' wings are the ultimate defender of all life's ills. When I was in Iceland, this was one of my jobs, banding eagles. This is a white-tailed eagle, a little bit bigger than our bald eagle. There's enormous talons, the feet, the bill was gigantic. You still see the whitish on the head. That's actually feathers that are emerging. This is a youngster that we were banding. When I was holding it, I was told two things. Hold the feet, do not let them get loose, (laughs) obviously. But the other thing was, cradle it, cradle it under your arm. That's exactly the image that I think of when I think about these pinions, the, the protective canopy, right? When I did so, it was much more comfortable than it would have been otherwise. Well, it might be a mother hen that you're thinking of. And if you do have backyard chickens, certainly that, that you've seen you know, the dozens of chicks uh, underneath the chickens wings. Now the psalmist who almost certainly was an ornithologist thinks of God here, God will cover you with his pinions and under his wings, you will find refuge. The point is, that God is our shelter when the winds begin to howl. The point is that under God's wings, we are defended, protected, and perfectly safe. The point is someone else is in charge, someone who never goes off duty. Now, in one of his books, pastor and author John Tibber tells of his experience as a boy in the Netherlands at the start of World War II. German troops had just invaded Holland a few days before, but nobody knew what was to come, what was to expect can imagine the uncertainty. It's a word we've been hearing a lot lately, right? On the second Sunday of May in 1940s, the Timmer family was sitting around their dinner table. Suddenly they heard the air raid siren and then the droning of German bombers. Of course, everyone was frantically scared, as, as I would be, and perhaps you as well. Let's go stand in the hallway, John's father said. That's the safest place in the house. And in the hallway, John's father led them in prayer. Now, John writes, He has long ago forgotten the exact wording of of his father's prayer, except for one phrase. Somewhere in that prayer, John's father, who was praying to God to protect his family from Hitler's Luftwaffe, said, Oh God, in the shadow of your wings, we take refuge. It's a picture, isn't it? It's a wonderful image. God spreading his wings over us. It's a picture that all Jewish and Christian generations have understood and cherished, in part because the phrase invites us to recover our childhood feeling of security in the nest. It's a special feeling and we can't help but be touched by it. Well, let's pull back a little bit. Maybe there's one disturbing little question that's probably picking at you just right now. How true is the picture of a sheltering God? How secure are we in the nest? And I wonder if in 1940, on the second Sunday of May, some other Dutch family begged God to spread his wings over them and over their house. I wonder if the bombs of the German Air Force pierced those wings and blew that house to rubble. To read in Psalm 91, we begin to wonder, offer such comprehensive coverage. God will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that wastes at noonday. That's what we read. Really though? Really? I need not fear any of these things. I can sleep in a dangerous neighborhood with my windows open and my doors unlocked. I shall not fear the terror of the night. My child's temperature soars and his white blood, cell, or white blood count falls for some reason. I shall not fear the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. I can plunge into my work during this pandemic. I shall not fear the destruction that wastes at midday. Really, is there any level of faith that can honestly say that such things, even after all allowance has been made, for the fact that Psalm 91 is God's word in poetry, can we still find meaning? Let's face the truth. We think to ourselves in this cold, hard time, it's an imperfect and naive metaphor. Now, during my time in Iceland, I was working on this little guy. This is a red-winged thrush. You can see underneath my finger there, you can see a little tiny yellow thing. That's actually a band on its leg. So we would capture red wings and we would band them. We would monitor them. We would find their nests. We would count their chicks, their eggs, their hatchlings. Watch to see who fledged. Then we could follow the chicks around because we also banded them. It became really familiar with all of these birds. You can see the wing here spread. This is an adult female. Looks kind of like our, our young Robin. They're a uh, related thrush. Well, in my time in Iceland, Unfortunately, I got used to this this deafening call from the parents as they defended their nests and their offspring. We knew every one of the hatchlings in the park where we studied, and I quickly became calloused to the number of dead birds, ignoring the ravens and gulls that were flying over occasionally with a hatchling in their bill with a yellow tag around its leg with the parents screeching and attacking the predator as it flew off toward the horizon. It was brutal. One day, my only job as my team banded was to carry a branch around and swing it at house cats that came close to us as we were banding our nestlings, hoping beyond hope that I could help those nestlings survive just one more night from these efficient predators. As Tennyson wrote, nature is indeed red in tooth and claw, no doubt about it. So, red wing wings are protective, but to a point. So, as we look at other aspects here, how do we understand this? Faith in the sheltering wings of God does not remove physical danger or the need for protection or precaution against it. We can't ignore Middle Eastern tourist advisories, can we? You can't go on a camping trip and feed wild animals and fully expect that God will keep us safe from these bad decisions and the grizzly bears. We have to remain careful when we march in protest. Can't smoke cigarettes with abandon and then claim the promises of Psalm 91 as our protection against lung cancer. We know better. We can't wander through the crowds with no mask on and expect the virus to miraculously disappear and not harm us or our loved ones. It already has. A person who did these things would be a foolish believer and a foolish reader of Psalm 91. You might recall that in Matthew's gospel, Satan quotes Psalm 91 to Jesus in the temptation at the pinnacle of the temple. Throw yourself down, says Satan. After all, we read in Psalm 91 that God will give his angels charge over you. Jesus, much smarter than I would, I would have fought, said smartly, it is not right to put God to the test. Is God's protection only good for certain events and some restrictions apply? Jesus was teaching us that we can't act like a fool and then count on God to bail us out. God may do it. Thankfully for some of us, we can recall times we've acted like fools and God did bail us out. But we can't count on it. Some believers get hurt, terribly hurt, by no fault of their own. A drunk driver smashes the family car. A large pine tree falls through your living room window in a storm. Maybe you're a devout middle-aged Christian who exercises, eats well, prays, attends church, coaches t-ball, but you don't quite feel right. Your primary care physician sends you to for tests at a specialist's office and then more tests and more tests. and. Eventually, she says it's kind of serious. And then you hear more about treatments and research and being comfortable. All you can think is you're 46 years old and you're going to die before your parents do and before you have any grandchildren, leaving an anxious and devastated family. Where are the wings of God? Can you get brain cancer under those wings? Molested by a family member? knifed in some senseless event? Can you find that your teenagers become a stranger? That your family is spiraling out of control? Can you get COVID-19 in the midst of a pandemic when nothing else makes sense to you? Where are those wings? I think what troubles us is not so much the sheer fact that believers suffer along with everybody else. Suffering is part of the human condition, and we expect that. It's not a surprise to us. C.S. Lewis once pondered this, and he, he noted that you know, if the children of God were always safe from floods like Noah and his family, if every time someone pointed a gun at a Christian, it turned magically into a water pistol, if we had a money-back guarantee against hatred, disease, and acts of brutality, then, of course, we would never have to worry about church growth, would we? Our churches would fill They'd fill with people attracted to the faith because of a benefit plan. They want an insurance agent, not a, not a church. What would, happen if people's in, what would happen to people's integrity if becoming a believer really did give you blanket protection against poverty and accidents and wages of sin? Our integrity would be lost, wouldn't it? Our faith would be lost it's not the fact that we have to take our share of the world's suffering that surprises us. We we know that is the condition in which we live. Our experience and the rest of scriptures have taught us to expect hardship. What worries us is that Psalm 91 tells us not to worry. Are we being deceived? Let's Consider again, it says, "A 1,000 may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. This news sounds too good to be true. In fact, the psalmist says, because you have made the Lord your refuge, no evil shall befall you. And this is the statement, this one, that troubles us. What about Paul or Stephen? What about the Lord himself? He went to gather the citizens of Jerusalem as, hen, as a hen gathers her chicks, right? And then one day the soldiers took him outside the city and nailed his wings to the cross. So what are we to make of Psalm 91? How are these extravagant promises God's word to us? What Psalm 91 does is express one, one of the loveliest, one of the most treasured, but just one of the moods of faith. It's a mood of exuberant confidence in the sheltering providence of God. Probably this psalmist who wrote Psalm 91 has been protected by God in some dangerous incident and he is celebrating. Now on other days and in other moods, in other darker seasons of his life, the same psalmist might have called to God out of despair and a sense of abandonment. Remember that our Lord was crucified. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was quoting the first line of Psalm 22. Despair or astonishment at what can happen to us under God's providence, that too is natural and biblical. Those words from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. It's quite a contrast to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 gives us only part of the picture and only one of the moods of faith. So with a kind of amazement, the psalmist bears witness that under the wings of God, good things happen to bad people. But another psalm or two fills in the full picture and we cry out from under those same wings as bad things sometimes happen to good people. Psalm 91 tells us, no evil shall befall us. Now we've identified the poetry and then brought in the witness of the rest of scripture to the Psalm. What we come to, I believe, is the conclusion that no final evil shall befall us. We all know that we can believe God with all our heart and yet have our heart broken by the loss of a child or the menace of a fatal disease. We know that, everyone in this congregation knows that. This pandemic that we're in provides ample evidence of that fact. And yet generation after generation of saints have known something else and spoken of it as well. In the mystery of faith, we find a hand on us in the darkness, a voice that calls our name and the sheer certainty that nothing can separate us from the love of God, not for this life and not for the life to come. We may be scarred and shaken, but we're loved as well. We are like those fledglings that scuttle underneath the wings of their parent, the female hen, The forces of evil beat on those wings with everything they have. The pitchforks of the evil one, falling tree limbs in the storm, rain, hail, lightning, thunder, the claws and beaks of predators, everything beats on those wings. When it's finished, when evil has done its worst, those wings are bloodied and broken. And almost certainly in all the commotion, we get roughed up quite a bit too no final evil can get to us because those wings have never folded they're spread out to be wounded for our transgressions and bruised by our iniquities and when the feathers quit flying and we peep out and discover that we have been in the only place that was not leveled we've been bumped and bruised and hurt sometimes badly hurt sometimes fatally hurt but the other choice is to be spiritually dead. In other words, the other choice was to break out of the embrace of God. The truth is that if we had not stayed under those wings, we could never have felt the body shudders and heard the groans of the one who loved us so much that those wings stayed there no matter what came in. Those groans, those body shudders, That's the witness, that's the presence. This is the one who protects us from final evil, now and in the life to come. The life in which at last, it is safe for God to fold his wings again and embrace us. God will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. It's not a simple truth but it's the truth we ought to believe it with everything that is in us thanks be to god our protector amen friends it's been good talking with you i pray for you every day i can't wait to see you again thanks for joining thank you for listening to this sermon from old south presbyterian church in newburyport massachusetts If you'd like more information about our historic church or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.